Here we go back again with another episode of the Around the Show Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Showalter, and joined only today by Brandon Mills. No Christian Hosfeld. He's got some stuff to take care of. Uh, but me and Brandon, we're more than comfortable holding down the four. Ain't that right? Bill, we've done a podcast, me and you, before back we when sure it was just have. audio only. We sure have. Yeah, uh, fun, fun story. I actually found the file for that the other day and watched a little bit of it. Uh, it was on Zoom. We were back here in this very room that I've converted uh, in the back of my house to a studio. Uh, and just going back and watching that, it was definitely fun. Uh, a little bit of nostalgia going back and seeing what it's grown into. Uh, obviously, now full-time on with you, uh, full-time on with Christian as well. Uh, just, again, like I said in the first episode, super grateful for you, super grateful for Christian, who's obviously not here, but, but we'll see him next week, hopefully. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but just super grateful to have you guys on. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into it, though. We've obviously got a lot of stuff going on in sports. Um, yep. Super Bowl a couple weeks ago. Uh, NBA uh, NBA season's full-blown going, uh, getting close to the playoffs. NHL, same thing, just past the All-Star break over there as well. Winter Olympics just wrapped up. Baseball's supposed to be starting, not right now. It's usually, you know, a pretty jam-packed portion of the year, NFL yeah. off-season, things like that. But we're missing a pretty big thing, Brandon. We're missing baseball. Sure are. And it's heartbreaking, isn't it? It, a, it sure is, dude. It's perspective, uh, From a player's perspective, I mean, it's all just kind of a pain in the ass. And it, it's a shame we got to talk about it again, huh? Because yeah. we... We fe- it feels like beating a dead horse at this point. The lockout hasn't even really started yet. No. I mean, the, the lockout has started, but in terms of missed games, we're still a month away from o- where opening day was supposed to be. They they said what they only canceled the first two series. So first far. two series. So we've lost six games on the season. It's going to be a 156 to game season. Uh, and I'm least, glad you brought that most, up. At most, I'm glad you brought that up because it's going to be immediately. Um, it's very obvious what the owner's strategy has been from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Uh, they locked the players out on December first. They don't talk to him for 40 days. Um, Rob Manfred, former labor lawyer back in the 80s before he joined Major League Baseball. This is what Rob Manfred does. Um, he has been through countless negotiations with players through this process, negotiating different CBAs. And uh, this feels a lot uh, like the 1994 strike from what I've read, obviously. wasn't around back then. Um, but from what I've read, you know, the, the owners just refused to negotiate with the players and refused to negotiate to the players. And eventually... Um, it blew up in their face, and the players decided to strike, and that was the last time the players really feel like they won, that they won um, one of these CBA negotiations. And um, to see them employing those same strategies, you know, they lock the players out for 40 days, uh, don't talk to them once. They finally initiate talks. They talk to them three or four times over the next week, um, and then they say, hey, here's this deadline. Uh, it's, Mar- it's February 28th, March 1st, whatever it was. Deadline doesn't mean anything. It's something the MLB self-imposed. Yeah. And they said, hey, we'll negotiate with you every day up until this point. And then uh, they did what they did, which was essentially continue to not negotiate in good faith with the players. What the owners have been trying to do has been obvious from the start. They locked the players out on December 1st, didn't negotiate them with a full 40 days. When they did come back, they negotiated them with, the, with them three or four times. Yeah. Uh, not 100% sure on what the number was up until they met up in Jupiter this last week to go through all of the constant <laughs> days of negotiation. Three or four um, times that lasted maybe 25, 30 minutes. In yeah, total, they, weren't, they like. weren't productive meetings. Um, everybody on the player's side came out of those and said, basically, like the, the owners are not it's giving terrible. us the time of day. Exactly. They're, they're giving us BS offers. They don't mean anything. Uh, and then the same thing happened in Florida. The first couple of days, nothing got done. The owners were very obviously not going to budge from their positions, and they don't have to. They have all the leverage in the world. They know they can wait the players out financially a lot longer than the players can uh, withstand not getting paid. Uh, just from an, a common sense perspective, a guy with a B in front of their net worth and a guy with an M in front of their net worth, you know, they have different timelines in terms of when they need to have yeah. money coming in. <laughs> um, but these last couple of days in Jupiter, I want to talk about the way that the owners try to control the rhetoric and the way that they fail 
failed. Yes. So we went into that last day of negotiations where the deadline was that night. And it was constantly, everyone was super negative, super negative on those coming days. And then suddenly the tone shifted at like six o'clock at night. And it was a report from Bob Nightingale who said that the players and owners were starting to make some headway on a new deal. And that got me super excited. Yeah. First off, Bob Nightingale, the comeback kid, he's been kind of uh, not the most well-perceived insider yeah. the last couple <laughs> of years. Um, and to have him get a win, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I was fired up for good old Bobby over at the LA Times. Um, but it turned out to be a farce. There was nothing getting done. Um, the owners were leaking out this narrative. At least this is how it seems from the outside perspective based on how the talks deteriorated the next morning, what we heard from the players. Because the players came out of there the next day and said that the owners suddenly were trying to sneak things into the fine print, like pitch clocks, banning the shift. You don't do that if you're negotiating good faith up against the deadline at the 11th hour. Exactly. That's not something you do. That's something that you do to try to take advantage of people that A, you think don't know any better, B, you don't think have any leverage, or C, don't think have the willpower to resist this last second yeah. uh, deadline-breaking deal on a deadline that you set. And the players called bullshit, called the owner's bluff, bullshit. and it's a win for them. Yeah. Because what happened every year since 1994 is the owners just refused to negotiate. They use these same tactics that they did before and the players would just eventually give. But this year, this CBA negotiation negotiation, it really feels different for the first time. It feels like the players are finally united. Mike Trout released a statement today mm -hmm. in support of the MLB Players Association decision yeah. to not accept their deal. He said, Rob canceled games, which I thought was huge. That's huge. It's literally calling out the commissioner of baseball for canceling games that it's yeah. not baseball's fault. It's not, he didn't even name the owners. He named I Rob think He needs to be singled out in this situation. I mean, he's done a terrible job with it. He's made himself the most hated man in baseball. I mean, and I think I think the most hated man in baseball might be even an understatement. You know, we yeah. uh we make fun of of Roger Goodell. Not necessarily make fun. We kind of poke fun at the way that he's perceived. He goes up into the draft room on draft day for the NFL and gets booed on the stage by the fans, which is but, great. He he leans yeah. into it. He eggs them on. Rob Manfred really might have taken the title for most hated commissioner in American sports, which is a hell of an accomplishment after the last yeah. 10 years that Roger Goodell has had with the NFL. See, I it's, think the difference between the two with Roger, he wants his fans to like him. Deep down, he really does. You can tell. With Rob, I think he likes playing that villain. I think he likes having people on his bad side. I mean, it looks like he's relishing in it. Yesterday, he's up on the podium smiling, having a good time. Looks like he's relishing in, in everything he's doing in the game right now, and it just makes me feel bad for your everyday average fan You know, that just wants to wake up and go home and watch baseball. Yeah, and I, I think the, uh, the reason why I think you're right on that is because I don't think Rob Manfred thinks he's doing a bad job because technically by the book, what his job is – is he is a spokesperson and the person who negotiates and gets things done for the owners of MLB teams. Yeah. He, he does not, he's not in, in power to grow the game. He's not in power to help the players. He's not in power to make baseball better in any way. The job of the commissioner who is appointed by the 30 MLB owners is to do things that will make those owners more money and in turn make them happy and in turn give yeah. him more job security. And what has Rob Manfred done since the start of baseball? Watch the value of teams shoot up. Watch the revenues for teams shoot up. Watch the average salaries for MLB players go down. Yep. Watch the median salary for MLB players go down. Everything he thinks he should be doing. And the owners are, are making more money. Their teams are worth more money. And they're paying their employees less money. Why would they not? Why would Rob Manfred not be proud of the job he's doing? Because he's doing his job well. The problem is, 
is that his job and the way he's doing it is counterproductive to the health and the betterment of the game That's on the field. Yes, exactly. And at the end of the day, the reason why these these play, these teams make so much money, these organizations, these companies, which is probably what we should be calling them based on how the owners perceive their own product, it's a game. It's mm -hmm. a sport. It's a living, breathing organism filled with 780 or whatever the total is of the best players in the world. And the fans who you're all pissing off with this are the ones who supply you with the people to watch the money that comes in from the TV deals, yeah. from the in-game concessions, tickets, parking, all of that comes from the fans. Not a dollar of that money doesn't directly get tied to us, the people who come in, fill the seats, turn the game on at home, listen on the radio, watch the highlights on, on MLB Network late at night. It's us. Yeah. And to be alienated by the organization that you love and the sport that you love because these 30 billionaires can't look past what's right in front of them. Exactly. They're so caught up with that corporate mindset of, we got to crush quarterly earnings. It's really what it seems like. They're just yeah. trying to like, hey, next quarter, we got to go big. Next quarter, Looks we like got to go big. trying to meet a quota here. But 10 years from now, what's this game going to look like if the owners continue to drive this gap between the players and the, and the owners and they continue to make the game objectively worse based on the way that they structure everything? Expanded playoffs. I yeah. mean, 14 teams make the playoffs in 162-game seasons. Why play the 162 What's games? The That's the exactly. beauty of baseball. It, it's just so counterproductive to the season we had, and I mentioned it last week, how great last season was in terms mm -hmm. of growing the game, reaching the younger fans. It finally felt like baseball had some momentum, and then they just took the rug out from under themselves. It's, it's so frustrating as a fan and someone who vehemently defends baseball as a beautiful game, an interesting yeah. game, an entertaining game. The, the sport that I love most deep down in my heart, but the people who own the franchises that play the game that I love don't care about the they sport. They don't give a shit about us. So why would I? I mean, it's, it's getting to that point. Like, I'm not someone who's seriously ever going to stop watching baseball. I love the game too much. I love my angels. I love the rivalries. I love the players scattered throughout the league. I can't stop watching baseball. But if you go back to 1994, which is the number I keep bringing up, Fans stopped watching baseball. The average, the average uh, attendance for an MLB team went from 31,000 a game to about 26,000 a game, or excuse me, 25,000 a game. That's 6,000 wow. ticket sales per game on average that the MLB lost that season. And you know when that number got back up to that 31,000 on average? It was 12 years later in 2006. Jeez. And you know what's not going to happen to come save baseball this time? The steroid era. Exactly. That was post yeah. Barry Bonds. That was post Mark McGuire, post Sammy Sosa. Where's the white knight that's going to come save baseball if the attendance suddenly drops off the face of the earth? It's not coming. We are killing the game that we love, and it's breaking my damn heart. Yeah. It's, I mean, and to top it all off, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, like I said, we talked about this last week. We got to move on to something else, but... I don't know if anybody saw this, but the Braves are a publicly owned company. The mm -hmm. uh, the parent company that owns the organization is publicly traded, so they have to release an earnings report. And apparently the Braves in 2019 earned $476 million in revenue. $476 million in revenue. Jesus that was the last full season of baseball two years ago before the COVID pandemic shortened season. $476 million for a baseball team. And the owners are crying poor. It's bullshit. I'm sick of it. Something needs to be done, and public opinion is firmly on mine and the players' side. Clearly. For the first time in a long time, it's not millionaires versus billionaires. It's corporate greed against the working class. Yeah. And that, that mind shift uh, publicly amongst yes. fans has been huge, and it's why the players are ultimately going to win this thing. I, I truly do believe that.
Yep, it's just the question is when. When, when, when. I'm getting impatient over here. Hopefully we get to watch some baseball Yeah, man. Ho- hopefully we get baseball soon. It's uh, it's really starting to hurt, but hopefully the owners come to their senses, the players stand firm, and they get what they deserve. Yeah. We're, all, we're all rooting for them at this point. Everyone in here at least is. Um, yeah. And I think the vast majority of public people are rooting for the players on, on this time around, which is just so vastly different. Agreed. So for the first time, Brandon, we get to talk some basketball. I'm stoked. You're stoked. Uh, And we got to start with the Lakers. Uh, Both Southern California kids, neither of us are Laker fans, but even not as Laker fans. Uh, Southern California is Lakers heaven. Everyone here seems to be a Lakers fan, and the vibe is just off with the team. It's off with the fans. They're currently 27-34, and four and a half games out of the eight seed where the Clippers uh, are above them. I know that's got to hurt for Laker fans to hear. Uh, but the team is just in a really, really bad spot. You watch them at, uh, on the floor every night. They don't look good together. The guys aren't gelling. The team chemistry seems to be off at a core level, uh, off the floor and on the floor. That Obviously, we don't know too much about off the floor, but it just doesn't seem like these guys are gelling together the way that teams have in the past and the way that we generally see good NBA teams do. They, yeah. they don't play well together. Uh, they don't have complementary pieces for LeBron or Anthony Davis. Russell Westbrook just doesn't fit with those two guys. And, it isn't, and from an X's and O's perspective, the whole thing just doesn't work. And I'm sitting here as somebody who's trying to figure out how they get into the playoffs and how they build better for next year. I don't really know. For this season, I think they're dead. I think they're dead in the water. They might make the eighth seed. They're going to get a gentleman's sweep. If they do end up even winning a game in that series, they might just get swept by the Suns or whoever finishes in the first seed. They're not a good basketball team this year. Now, going forward, I think the elephant in the room is going to be Russell Westbrook. And will he get traded this offseason? Who's going to trade for him? That is a massive contract. He's getting paid over $40 million a year. And just want to run it by you because I personally don't know who's going to trade for that contract to that player after the season that he's had. I'm curious to know your thoughts on that. Uh, I do think he'll get picked up. He's still Russell Westbrook. He's still, you know, that big name player in the NBA. Um, But he's going to have to do something on that team, you know, to get at least the fans back. Um, Ever since July 30th, when I think it was July 30th, when he got traded to the Lakers, it seemed very lackadaisical um i i hate to go out there and and say i think professional athletes look like they don't care because who am i to ever say that but it really does look like that laker team when they step out on the floor they don't care about what happens the way they talk in the press conferences after the game it seems like they don't care that they just lost um i mean we're talking about a team who's dropped 11 out of their last 15 games and they don't seem to be wanting to change anything. They're not switching things up. They're not trying to turn it around. They just think, you know, at some point it's going to click and then we'll get it all going. That's just not how it goes, especially now in the season. They just got blown out in Staples by the Pelicans who don't have Zion, dude. Excuse me, Crypto.com Arena, not Staples anymore. We're still going to call it Staples. I don't give a shit. They just got blown out by the Pelicans at home, dude, in a game LeBron is playing in and and Anthony Davis is playing in and Zion Williamson is not. That's just the cap to what the season has been it's just it's far. incredible how far they've fallen and I, I i hear your point about that seems like they don't care um i don't necessarily agree with it but i see where you're coming from because it's an attitude that's almost like a defense mechanism that i feel like they're turning on where they act like they don't care mm-hmm. obviously they care they're professional athletes Correct. you don't make exactly. it to this point if you don't, don't love the game don't care about your craft all that they obviously care about yeah. basketball but they definitely have put on 
that kind of mask to protect themselves from having to answer those difficult questions and maybe accept some responsibility in some cases. They've kind of just thrown up like a whatever, I don't give a shit kind of an attitude. I totally get that. Especially questions fed at them every single night. Why why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Exactly. They don't know. To a point, you could get fed up with that as well because if you don't know what's working and you're getting these same questions... Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? It's like, shut the fuck up. Exactly. Let me try to figure it out. I, I think um, I think the fact that this is happening in LA is a, is another compounding factor into why it's gone so bad so fast. You know, there, there are certain markets that it's just harder to be successful in because the media is just different. Um, New York, definitely one of those places. I think Philadelphia in all sports is probably one of the three hardest places to play just because of how rabid the fan bases are, how much they care, how much they know, which is a huge thing. Fans in Philly are worse than the media are. Uh, That's as an Eagles fan. I can confirm (laughs) that. Uh, Obviously, Southern California Eagles fans are a little bit different, but I, I bleed green just like my brothers in Philly do. But LA is one of those places too, man. Yeah. LA, LA people love the Dodgers, and they love the Lakers. They watch every game. Lakers fans are not pushovers. They watch the games. I know every Laker fan that I knew growing up was still watching the games when they were running out Jordan Clarkson and Nick Young and Julius Randle and all these guys out there. They they were watching the games from start to finish, watching them get their ass kicked 60 times a year. You know, Laker fans are proud and they're true fans. And you know, they're letting them have it. They're hearing all this exactly. from the fans and from the media. I was just going to say, uh, Laker fans, you know, I got to give them some respect to a point because they're not fans that are just going to be like, oh, we'll get it together. We got this. You know, let's go. Come on. Let's pick it up. They're pissed. Yeah. They want them to, and they should team be. to win. Yeah, exactly. If, if your team's not, I mean, look at the roster they have on paper. If you put all those names, write them down on a piece of paper, that's supposed to be a damn good basketball team, and mm-hmm. they're just not playing good at all. I mean, not good isn't even sufficient. They're, they're playing terrible basketball. And if you would have said that this is how bad they were they were going to be in late July, even I would have said you're crazy, and I, yeah. I would wish for it. I mean, I'm not a Laker fan. I don't care about Lakers' success. But I even didn't think it was going to be this bad, dude. Yeah, I remember uh, I was at work when the the Russell Westbrook trade went through, and I was working with the Laker fan at the time. I'd since moved on to a new job. Oh, he was probably getting fitted for a ring that day. Yeah, he was was fired up, and uh, I asked him how he felt about the trade, and he said, you know, it feels good. It's definitely going to be fun to watch, um, but I don't know if this makes us a championship contender. And I said to him then, I said, you know, Russell Westbrook's probably going to win you a lot of games, but I don't think he's a championship player with the roster you have. And turns out, he wasn't going to win him a lot of games. So I was dead wrong about that. Yeah. You know, they're, and you're, they're one of the worst teams in the Western not fun conference. To watch. No, they're not fun to watch. They have an old slow roster. They can't shoot the ball. They don't play good defense. And they, they don't it, have a lot of good spot up shooters, which is the key to building a team around LeBron. We know he's going to drive and kick it out. That's what he's done in, in the seasons. He's been successful in the league and the teams that have won championships have surrounded LeBron with people who can protect the paint and people who can shoot the three. That's all you need to win with LeBron. And they just haven't yeah. been able to put that together in LA outside of that one bubble season. Exactly. And to put salt on the wood, man. All those guys you traded away, you know, your Caruso's, your uh, Randall um, Ball, you know, take it back to Zoe. All those guys you traded away, you're seeing them have some pretty good success in the league right now. And it's like, what if? Yeah, 100%. What if we didn't go for the big names and the big stars? What if we kept this core group that seemed to be a good basketball team? They won the championship in the COVID year, and maybe some people won't give them credit. I always will. I, you just always ask yourself, what if, you know, you kept that 
core squad. Yeah, this is a pro bubble pod, by the way. I I don't know. Oh. No Disney, Walt Disney Championship or whatever people say. Exactly. Mickey Mouse Championship is yeah. the phrase. I don't buy into that. Uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head. Some of those guys they let go were the glue guys in the locker room. Um, Alex Caruso is the perfect example. Uh, he seemed like when he came into the league, he was just like, oh, look at this this funny little white dude who's funny balding. Yeah. Hey, he can dunk. This is pretty cool. He can play good defense. This is pretty cool. Like Lakers fan favorite for sure, but I don't think any of us knew Alex Caruso was this good of a player. No, he was and I think player. the Lakers are feeling the effects of that. You know, Alex Caruso, before he got hurt in, in Chicago, was having a great season. Yes, He was a Stand huge out. part of the Bulls' success, who are currently balling out in the East Second, and are one of the top seeds. The yeah, they're the so. two seed right now. And, you know, he's been hurt, so they haven't had him on the floor. But when he's out there, Alex Caruso's presence is always felt. Always. I don't know how many guys on the Lakers you can say that about. No. it's He's a playmaker. It's certainly tough to watch. Uh, as a fan of the Cavaliers and someone who loves LeBron, it's been it's been tough to watch this year. But I think, to, uh, to wrap this conversation up, I think we can excuse him from the the perspective of the fact that he makes a lot of these decisions, or at least he's exactly. involved. You, gotta... you, you don't trade for Russell Westbrook. If you're the Lakers and you're Rob Polinka, if LeBron James doesn't either ask you to, tell you to, or give you permission. Yeah, none LeBron of us James that for a fact, absolutely signed off on that. Exactly. If he yeah. didn't initiate the trade or suggest it himself, he was the last one that they had to get clearance to do it for. And he has to bear some kind of responsibility for that. You know, we can't give him all of the love and the praise when he's successful if we don't acknowledge when, you know, the some things don't come out as good as we expected them to. And I think this uh the experiment with Russell Westbrook is definitely going to be over after this season. Yes. It's going to be counted as a colossal failure. And there's a lot of blame to be passed around to a lot of people from Russ, LeBron, Rob Polinka, Jeannie Buss. Uh, the entire organization, I think, bears the, uh, the blame for just how piss poor this whole season has gone. Hopefully next season they have a couple of new guys in there and they'll be able to bounce back. But I mean, do you think they have? I think they're dead in the water. I don't think they make the playoffs, and if they do, they're done. No, I mean, it's LeBron, so you never know. They might scrape in the eight or seven seed. But like you said, man, you're going against some tough teams in the West. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's. Utah, um, yeah. I, so many good teams. Utah, Golden the State, Warriors, unbelievable. Phoenix is Suns. I mean, so good, too. There's, some things are going to have to happen. I mean, LeBron's doing a good job of trying to keep it together. But at the same time, he made this bed, and, and some things are going to have to happen if they want to do make a good run in the playoffs or get to the playoffs at all. Now I'm looking at the standings right here, and I mean they're like I said, they're four and a half games back of the Clippers. They're but going the, teams, the wrong way. The team, sure. the team right below them, the Pelicans, just beat them badly at home, blew them out. LeBron was talking shit to people in the crowd, checked out of the game. It's yeah. LA is a mess. I hope they get better for basketball sake, because basketball is better when the Lakers are good. I think that's obvious, but. As of right now, they're dead in the water. They need to make something big happen before next year. You just hate to see a team that has so much success in the past roll over. Yeah, it, it's true. It truly is a shame uh, to see what the Lakers have become after showing so much promise early this season. What we expected out of them in this off season, maybe not a contender, but a good team. They haven't even been that. It's been a complete and total failure from top to bottom. All right, now I know you said there's not going to be a lot of teams in the NBA that want to trade for Westbrook coming up next year, um, but let's bounce it over to the NFL. There's three important quarterbacks we want to talk about, and they all are possibly going to get traded this year, and a lot of teams might want them. They're very good quarterbacks. Let's have you talk about them right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, fantastic segue, Brandon. Uh, so, yeah, we got to talk a little bit about the big three of the offseason quarterbacks. That's obviously going to be Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. At this point, it feels like those are the three that have the highest likelihood of moving. Um I got supporting the Blake Griffin Oklahoma Sooners jersey. Shout out Kyler Murray. 
Um, shout out Lincoln Riley as well. Uh, appreciate yeah. you, brother. Fight on. Uh, but yeah, let, let's start with with Aaron Rodgers. And we talked yeah. a little bit about his uh, his interview last week. We didn't talk too much about football. Um, he's just playing with us. Let's yeah. be honest. I, we I'm, don't know what he's going to do. He might he might take the rug right under Green Bay and just make them all fall on their ass and cry. Who knows what the guy's going to do. But he's having a damn good time playing with us right now, I think. Yeah, absolutely he is. And this is, from from what I've been able to gather about Aaron Rodgers and the person of Aaron Rodgers rather than the quarterback, this yeah. definitely seems like uh, something he enjoys not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I definitely think he's uh, kind of taking a little bit it. of a little bit of a middle finger, a little bit of an fu to yeah. all the people who said a lot of uh, pretty negative shit about him yeah. over the last calendar year, from last offseason to the the immunization thing that <laughs> happened earlier. I think he's just messing with a lot of us because he feels like he's been messed with a lot uh, the last year. Fair. But Rogers, from a football perspective, personally, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's going to find a better situation, especially short-term, than Green Bay presents. It looks like they're going to be able to tag Devontae Adams to keep him there for another year. They've been able to clear up a lot of cap space already. They're already talking about how they're willing to make him the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history. I don't see a lot of reason for him to want to skip town and go somewhere else. He's also talked about how Brian Gutenkus, the GM who he said he had a fractured relationship with last offseason, has been able to remedy a lot of those uh, the bad feelings that he had towards him. You know, he brought in Randall Cobb last year. They seem like they're operating on a very in a very professional and uh, maybe even friendly relationship at this point. Yeah. And also, he mentioned how close he is with head coach Matt Lafleur, who's only posted you know 13 win seasons each of the last three years with Rodgers at the helm. No big Got deal. into the NFC Championship game. It, I mean, it's well, that's starting to become not enough for Green Bay. A hundred percent, and I, I think that's fair. You know, they've had. 30 years of Hall of Fame caliber quarterback yeah. play, and they've won two Super Bowls. Yeah. Uh, New England has had 19 years or, yeah, 19 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, and they won six. So it's, you look over at what was happening over here versus what was happening over here in terms of the championships and the success versus the talent of quarterback. And yeah. Green Bay should have won more championships, or New England should have won less, which is probably what the, That's probably the realistic what thing is. But can't go back and change that, obviously. But Rodgers, I just don't see from a football perspective how he gets a better situation if he goes anywhere. Everybody talks about Denver. They don't have yeah. Matt LaFleur coaching them. See, Everyone LaFleur, talks about these other places. LaFleur feels like the the central reason why he would want to stay. They work very well together. He's still going to have Devontae Adams as well. Why why go somewhere else? Why why break a, a good thing? I agree. Um, before, what was it, last week, I really thought Rodgers was going to jump ship and go somewhere else. So did I. Um but after hearing things last week, um, after his little, what was it, a, a cleanse, a detox? What was yeah, he his 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 ayahuasca cleanse or something? Ayahuasca? He was getting enemas and he was throwing up. It was sounded so he awful. was tripping. Basically, sounds could have been. Oh man, I, yeah, that is what that I think, is. Uh, I think that's what. Uh, anyways, geez. continue. Aaron Rodgers, you crazy man. Um, no, I think he's happy there, and and you know he's obviously in a situation where. He feels, we feel, everyone feels that, you know, he's got to go win. He's got to go win right now. He's only getting older, not getting younger. Um, and like you said, I don't think he's going to get that if he goes to a team like, say, Denver. You know, he's not going to go to Denver and just turn that whole organization around in two years. Yeah, it would be fun. It will be good. It will be a new look. Um, Manning did the same thing and actually, you know, took him to the Super Bowl. But – He's got his best chance to go out there and win a Super Bowl next year if he returns to Green Bay. I think he has the most fun at Green Bay. I think he's, you know, one of his favorite receivers he's ever played with. It's Devontae Adams. They gel 
better yeah, than any quarterback. He said Devontae Adams is the best football player he's ever played he's, with. I mean, can't we agree he's in Devontae Adams? He's damn good at football, dude. He's at worst the worst, second best receiver in the league if you maybe consider DeAndre Hopkins above him I after don't. last year. I don't mean that. I, I, I was a D-Hop, Devontae guy. I, they're 1A, 1B at this point. Yeah. I mean, you but can't just judge off one season. I, to, I totally, totally get what you're saying. Um, the, the incredible thing about Aaron Rodgers is the – Incredible arm talent, right? He's always been able to do whatever he wants to do with the football, especially in that cold Green Bay weather. Um, he's just a, an incredible player. And I think the the kicker for me that made me really, when I sat down and critically thought about, okay, if Aaron Rodgers does leave, because it feels like he would want to leave because yeah. based on all the stuff we learned last year, where would he go where he still has an opportunity to do what has to be the only thing he cares about at this point? Tennessee. The two things, winning and winning things like the MVP accolades and rings those are going to be the only two things he's chasing he has the legacy in terms of being remembered as one of the all-time greats he has the money he is a Packers legend forever but all he needs is to win more Super Bowls in terms of you know where will he be placed all time is he going to be behind Tom Brady is he going to be two guys behind Tom Brady could he maybe win two more and go above Tom Brady in some people's eyes it's it's Mm. maybe for some people maybe not others but Two it's more. definitely a line of thought that has to be something Aaron Rodgers is considering because what else would he play the game of football for? He has the money, he has the fame, he has the glory. All he could look for is something to further boost his legacy. So I ask, where is he going to go that's better than Green Bay? Nowhere in the AFC because the AFC is just so loaded with quarterbacks. You have Josh Allen, you have Joe Burrow, you have Lamar Jackson, you have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Two of those guys would be in his division if he went to Denver. He'd have to play or excuse me, add Justin Herbert into that, and then there's two guys. I mean, that's five of probably the seven best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're all in the AFC. Two of those guys are in his division in San Diego and Kansas City if he goes to Denver. So I think he'd have to stay in the NFC, right? So that leaves the Packers as a great option, obviously, as an NFC team where everything is already pretty much built for him. He has the head coach. He has the receiver. Great defense. Or he could go to San Francisco. And I thought that was a pretty interesting option for a little bit. And then I remembered San Francisco just traded three first-round picks. So what are they going to offer that's going to get Aaron Rodgers? Because the Packers aren't just going to give him away. They'll let him retire before they give him away for free. So it's realistically speaking, I just don't see how Rodgers goes anywhere. It just just doesn't make a lot of sense. Could you imagine what that 49ers team would be if they got Aaron Rodgers? Uh, 18-0, 17-0, however many regular season games there are, they would go that and They would be so... So good. Sad day to be a Rams fan, dude. If he, if the day Aaron Rodgers puts a 49ers uniform on, man, I'll cry myself to sleep. Well, it's either going to be a really good couple of years for you or a really bad 15, depending on how Trey Lance develops. Either he's going to be great for the next 15, 20 years, or he's going to be real bad, and you guys are going to have a, a pretty good time the next couple of years in, the, in that uh, NFC West. Yeah. Let's go ahead and push over to another NFC West quarterback. Let's go ahead and talk about the next of the big three. That's Russell Wilson yep. and... This is one that is a little odd, a little odd to me because last year he was so good at the start of the season. He was the front runner for MVP. I, if you took a drink every time you heard somebody say, "Oh, Russell Wilson has never had an MVP vote," you would have been hammered by week three. Like it was, it was bonkers how good he was playing yeah. at the beginning of last season. And then he tailored off a little bit. Teams adjusted their defense, started playing a lot more too high. Was kind of the narrative that surrounded uh, why Russell fell off. And then this uh, this season, same thing. Starts the season off really hard, hot, and then tapers off towards the end. And Russ is a really interesting one because he had a lot of success in a very run-heavy offense as a younger quarterback. And then that success when he has been the one that's been in charge of the offense and been the one that they lean on in order to gain yards, score points, and all that, rather than necessarily complementing his game with the run game. 
or excuse me, complementing the run game with the passing game. Now that he's been asked to do so, the Seahawks haven't been able to do anything. They haven't made, they didn't make yeah. the playoffs this last year. They were an objectively bad football team. And I don't necessarily think all of that is on Russell Wilson. I think he's a very talented quarterback. I think if he went to another situation, he would be great. Not good, but great. I have a lot of faith in him. But I think he definitely bears some of the blame for his inability to adjust once these defenses kind of get a little bit of tape on him. Mm -hmm. And he you know, hasn't been able to separate what he was doing from what he needs to do in the future to be successful. And that's a major hindrance if I'm a front office going to trade for somebody. Now, I, we might want to pin that on the coaches. We might pin that on the quarterback. We might pin that in a lack of uh, complexity in the scheme, something like that. There's a lot of places where you can uh, pivot around. I'm curious to see what your take on, first of all, before we discuss whether or not we think Russ is going to be traded, about uh, the quarterback. Is he one of the all-time greats? Is he a very good current-day guy? Because there's a wide-ranging opinion on where and who Russ is. Hard to say all-time great right now. I mean, he's – I mean, you got a wide selection of great quarterbacks, so it's hard to – Sure, and to it, find it, everyone perfect... defines that differently. Yeah. I'll, re I'll rephrase the question just slightly. Do you think he, when he retires and there's this era of quarterbacks that we're talking about, is he yeah. going to be remembered as one of those upper echelon Hall of Fame lock guys the way that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to be when they retire? Most... Tom Brady obviously just did retire, but Rodgers when he retires. Yeah, I think Or is it going to be definitely. that second-class guy kind of like a Ben Roethlisberger or a Matthew Stafford, as we talked about last week, or an Eli Manning? Is he going to be closer to that but second ben and group? Eli in second class? I would say so versus okay. those those upper echelon select level best Hall of Famers. Okay, it's that's so. like saying you know like Babe Ruth versus uh, Reggie Jackson in terms of Hall of Famers, okay. like a inner circle Hall of Famer or a Hall of Famer. I think those are different things. Yeah, um, I'll go ahead and give him Group Two on that then with the names you listed off. I'd probably uh, agree, but I there's there's times where he seems like yeah, one of those Group One guys. All, that's what's so puzzling about there's it. There's times where he can be the best quarterback in the league, and there's times where. We're just kind of confused on who he is as a quarterback. Um, personal opinion, I think he's Seattle's guy. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I think if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be, um, what was it, last year, the year before? Chicago, was, I think, was the yeah, team was everybody was pinning him on, the Saints. getting hit too much or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to stay in Seattle. I think they got some things to figure out, but ultimately that's their guy. Um, if Seattle did trade away Russ, you're looking at, you're looking at either needing to draft a guy now and he's got to work out or you know yeah. a couple years of uh, a couple long years of rebuilding there um and i think if you're going to try to rebuild your team you want to of course build around russ um so i think it would be in their best interest to keep russ um i don't think they're looking to trade him i think even Pete Carroll came out and said earlier today or yesterday that you know for now that's their guy um but then again what else is he supposed to yeah, say? Yeah, exactly. You know? I, I think uh, the case of Russ is really interesting. You know, he's 33 years old. He's far beyond the wrong side of 30. Yeah. Uh, by opening, by week one next year, he's going to be still be 33, but he'll turn 34 in the middle of the season. So he's not a young quarterback. This is definitely an older veteran who's coming on the back half of his career. Of these three guys, if you look at the situations they're in, the organizations they're in, the faith that they seem to have in the organization – Russ feels like the one that is most likely to get traded to me. Do I think he's going to get traded? I'd put it at 60-40, no. Uh, but I just, spoiler alert, I don't think Kyler Murray's going anywhere. And obviously, like I said, I don't think Aaron's going anywhere. I think Wilson is the one that would be the easiest to trade for. And I think that's why. I think he's the most likely to get traded. 
If you're trading for Aaron Rodgers, you know it's a short-term deal and you're going to be given probably three or four first-round picks and a player. If you're trading for Kyler Murray, that is a 23-year-old superstar. He's been to the Pro Bowl two times in three seasons. If injuries hadn't happened the last two years, he might have won an MVP both years. Yeah. You're trading everything in your organization for that guy and then you got to agree to pay him probably 45 to 50 million dollars a year especially depending on what russ if, uh, aaron Rodgers gets if he gets 53 54 million kyler murray is going to say give me 50 yeah so like that that's a big thing that's going to inhibit a lot of teams from being able to trade so for that reason i would say russ and i think that the the dysfunction is probably the wrong word but the the disconnect between player and organization yep. there feels the strongest out of the three it seems like Russ, or it seems like Aaron Rodgers has kind of repaired that. It seems like Kyler Murray, it's so early on in the process, it feels like kind of jumping the gun in order to say, like, yeah, he's out of here. Uh, he shares an agent with Cliff Kingsbury, and Cliff Kingsbury just got an extension, so that kind of tells me they're kind of getting a little bit closer on Kyler. At least it's yeah. not as big of a concern as it would be. Russ, it, it just feels weird, you know, and I'm, I'm a big feel guy. I'm also, you know, I, I put a lot of weight into the analytics too, but at yeah. the end of the day, if I have a gut feeling, I'm inclined to trust that, and it – it feels like of these guys, there's more to the Russell story than there is the other two guys, at least just personally for me. So what do you think for us? Las Vegas, uh, maybe even Denver? Yeah, it, that's another thing is there's there's so many spots that I don't know if Russ would want to go to. You know, is is Russell Wilson moving Ciara to Indianapolis to go be the, co the coach of the Colts? Is he moving her to Chicago to go be the coach of the Bears where it's freezing? I think... If I had to put a pulse on it, I think New York is interesting. The Giants, they don't have a quarterback. They have a lot of picks in this upcoming draft. Brian Dable did a lot of great work with Josh Daniel Allen. Daniel Jones, man. Come on. Daniel Jones, baby. Hey, that guy is fast, but he cannot hold on to the football. He's the most fumble-prone quarterback I've ever seen. He makes I'm, bad decisions with the ball. I'm still not giving up on him yet, though. I think he can be good. I'm I, not giving up on that guy yet. There's definitely enough talent to keep it interesting. Uh, but if you have the option to have Russ or to have Daniel Jones, I think the decision's easy. Yeah. I think New York is a is an interesting one, but I'm not necessarily saying that I think he's going to get traded there. But if Russ does get traded, don't be surprised if it is to the G-men. The last guy we got to talk about, we'll go ahead and touch on Kyler Murray. And like I said, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I'll let you go ahead and jump on this one since I kind of gave a little bit of it uh, away already. Um, Hard to say for me. I think it's pretty ballsy for your um, for your agent to come out and kind of stick it to him, like he did in that long message. Yeah, professional dude. That was no that was no, no uh, screenshotted notes app. That was a full blown press release. Yeah, it and it started out with Kyler, Kyler Murray wants to be direct with someone else saying it for him. I thought that was hilarious, but <laughs> but that's just the, that's the world we live in. That's that's fantastic. Right um, but you know, I think he kind of they kind of put their foot down and said this is. You know, without saying it, this is what I want. This is what I deserve. Um, like I said, I think he's fully committed to the team, but at the same time, he's not going to settle for less. Um, so it's hard for me to say one way or the other. Um, I'd like for him to get the hell out of the NFC West so I can root for him again, um, Boomer Sooner. But it's hard for me to say. Um, I'm leaning more towards your side. Don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, honestly, all three of these quarterbacks, I, I'm starting to feel like none of them are going to go anywhere, but we'll see with Wilson. Um, but with Kyler, like you just touched on, um, Cliff just got that extension, uh, same agent. So we got some parts moving and we'll see what's going on there. But like, like you said, I think he's going to wait, you know, if, if 
other quarterbacks, Wilson, all them. You're getting forty five. I want fifty. Exactly. And, yeah. And he does. He's played. He's played it. He deserves it. He, he talks that talk and he walks that walk. But um, I think relationships will be fine there. I think they'll mend it. Um, it's just a little concerning how early in his career these kind of things are coming up. Yeah. He he's trying to get the new contract two years before. Yeah. The, or two years instead of the one year like most people do, which I respect. You know, he wants to go get that money. He's definitely outperformed his rookie contract. So in in, in fairness in a free market, he would definitely make more than he mm-hmm. does right now. But it's just not the way that anyone has been able to successfully negotiate getting that extension two years early instead of just one. Yeah. I do want to say, though, the Cardinals cannot mess this up. Nope. If Kyler Murray draws a line in the sand and says, extend me or trade me, he ha- he has to get extended. Pay the man. This is an organization, the Arizona Cardinals, who in their history are 577 and 777 and one. They have 200 more losses organizationally than they do wins. And in the last five, the last three seasons where Kyler's been there, rookie year, five wins. Second year, eight wins. Third year, 11 wins. You can't argue with that. I mean, and it's 100%. They've brought in other guys. They brought in DeAndre Hopkins. Cliff Kingberry has done a a relatively good job. I know a lot of Cardinals fans would disagree with that. Chandler Jones is an animal. J.J. Watt, when he was healthy for a couple weeks this year, played really well. Is Chandler Jones even... Isn't his... uh, He's a free agent. Yeah, he's a free agent. Is he going to be a Cardinal? They got things to work with. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely are going to have to move some money around. But I'm with the, the way that teams are able to navigate the cap now. I don't think it'll be too much of a problem. Cap, cap is fake. But cap is no fake. Cap. <laughs> but uh but Kyler, I mean it's just such a he's such a dynamic player. He's so fun to watch. He has the ability to take a game over in the same way that Lamar Jackson can, and then he can also take over a game in the same way that Patrick Mahomes can with his arm. And I think that's something that separates him from some of these other guys who are super mobile. Lamar is a great quarterback. This is not Lamar slander. I am one of the biggest Lamar yeah, believers and fans. Say, Lamar can Lamar, can, Lamar can spin it, dude. But <laughs> Kyler Murray has he made some throws at Oklahoma in the national championship game against Alabama on some deep balls or was it the semifinal game? Whatever. Yeah. Whatever it was, he made some throws and I was over at Weston's house watching that game and I jaw fell to the floor. I remember the, the one I'm thinking of specifically, it was just a center field deep ball, dropped it right in the bucket on the goal line. Perfect throw from like the 45 yard line. And it was at that point where it kind of clicked for me. And I was like, Oh, this this isn't a gimmick. This is a guy. And he's done nothing but make incredible throws like that and incredible Mm -hmm. plays his entire career. When you get a guy and this is advice for every NFL front office, all 32 teams, it should be common knowledge. When you get a guy in the building, you do everything to keep him. Yeah. You don't let him go to the supermarket upset. You don't let him go to, home from practice. It shouldn't even come to this. You should drive him home from practice and keep him safe. You wrapped in the bubble. You you do not let that guy go anywhere. Yeah. It, it's it's just such a shame that that this is going on so early in Kyler's career. But it really does feel like you know, with two years, there's plenty of time to remedy that. I'm sure next off season, this will be another big story. He's gonna play this year on his current contract. They're not gonna extend him. He's not gonna get traded. I don't think at least. And this will be a bigger story next offseason, I think. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you're Arizona and you don't pay this guy, you're asking for another 20 years of, of horrible, horrible football because you spend so much time scouting and getting these first-round picks, trying yeah. to hit on these guys. And when you finally do, you can't let them get away. Say, yeah, you had the opportunity back then to go out and get Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray and you did it. be a shame to watch him walk. Got to keep him. Got to pay the man. 
Absolutely have to. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up on that note. Like we say every week, thank you guys so much for letting us into your home, listening to us, vibing out with us. We have a great time doing this every week, and we will see you next. (laughs) 